Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to Working, the podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Brogan. This season on Working, we're talking about animals with jobs. And for this episode, uh, we have the uh, peculiar and, to my mind, delightful pleasure of talking about landscaping goats, goats uh, that are hired out uh, by Tammy Dunnikin of a business on Vashon Island called Rent a Ruminant that uh, sends goats, uh, a lot of goats, 60 to 120 at a time, uh, to a overgrown property uh, and has them just sort of chew away at all of that shrubbery, all of that plant life uh, that is clogging up the land. It's environmentally responsible, and it also sounds like the goats love it. Uh, Tammy tells us about the daily lives of these uh, adventurous, curious, and intelligent animals. She also tells us the heart-wrenching story of Dewey the goat, an animal whose life she once saved and who, much later, uh, in its own way, saved hers. Then, in a Slate Plus Extra, uh, Tammy Dunnikin tells us about rent a ruminant's franchise model and how she's trying to spread her approach to landscaping goats uh, across the country, maybe even across the world. If you remember, you can get that and other Slate Plus extras. Start your two-week free trial at slate.com slash working plus. What is your animal's name and what does it do well my animal is about 150 goats so okay i've got many 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 names what do those goats do eco-friendly vegetation management so uh-huh. they eat brush for a living okay so like just everything all these kind of ground level plants grass weeds stuff like that yeah they're they're more uh goats are more browsers than they are grazers, uh-huh. so that means they're more they have a more diverse diet and they they like brush uh more than grasses, but they still will eat grasses so these guys eat just about i mean they're they're kind of like napalm <laughs> they <laughs> they go in and they just strip everything down oh and by the way, I have a little bit of some sound bites of the goats which which we can play right now. Can you just say what, what your name is and what your, your organization or your company uh, is called? Yeah, my name is Tammy Dunnikin, and I am the owner, operator, and franchiser of Rent a Ruminant. Ruminant meaning goat, is it? Well, goats are in the category of ruminants. So okay. ruminants are basically any animal that chews its cud. So cows, okay. oh, so cows sheep, yeah. goats, alpacas, llamas, camels, deer, moose, they're all ruminants. So actually, I could, you know, if I wanted to, we could have camels on board, but we don't uh-huh. at this point. Maybe someday. And, and no alpacas either. <laughs> no, we do have one token llama. <laughs> one token llama. 
One token lawman named Lippy. Well, okay. So, so back to the goats. How would you, I mean, describe what these goats do? Um, would we call them landscapers, gardeners, uh, agriculturalists, mowing machines? Uh, probably consider them a type of a lands, you know, kind of a landscaper, but for more feral types of land. They're not okay. going in and doing manicured lawns and manicured yards. Um, they're going out and doing overgrown areas that have lots of invasive species of brush often and mm-hmm. and or stuff that's just kind of taken over and the customer wants it obliterated. So mm-hmm. they're they're kind of um you know, take no hostages. They just go in and and take it out. And so they and they're eating it. So they're getting rid of mm-hmm. they're getting rid of all the the biomass. They don't eat every single piece of brush, but they eat a lot of the biomass. And they're sterilizing this, the weed seed in, the, in their digestive process, so they're not repropagating the plants on a seed level in the ground. And mm-hmm. um, they have full-time four-hoof drives, so they can go wherever they want to go. They love to climb. Or wherever they're, uh, they're paid to go, I would guess, as well, right? Wherever they're paid to go, yes. <laughs> yeah. So why – I mean, you, you've, you've sort of gotten at this a little, but why would anyone want to have a goat clean up their property? What What's the advantage uh, here to, to hiring goats as opposed to, say, just hiring a team of ordinary human landscapers with clippers and whatnot? Well, let me let me frame that for you. Would you rather watch a bunch of sweaty dudes out with noisy machines that are spewing carbon into the environment – Mm-hmm. out doing your yard or would you rather watch a herd of goats that are cute and funny and um extremely effective and they're eating this stuff yeah <laughs> that's so that's that's why goats and you can't it's really hard to get people to eat the stuff you know first off and also it's hard to get <laughs> them to sterilize the weed seed so you're really sure. you've got to compare apples and apples um with goats you're getting all these extra benefits that with humans you're basically if they're cutting the stuff then they're they're spreading the seeds around which is actually going to make the problem worse the goats are mm-hmm. eating the stuff and eating the seeds which makes the problem less um the goats are not noisy they're and they're really cute and fun to watch so people absolutely love when they the goats come to town. People absolutely <laughs> hate when the machines come to town. <laughs> sure, sure. I will say for the record, sometimes sweaty men are fun to watch, but but goats sweaty are men can to be watch fun well. to watch depending on your you know your thing. But you know, yeah, I, I get you there. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> the, <laughs> goats are these animals that have a reputation, almost mythic reputation, for eating. Anything and everything, you know, tin cans, garbage, whatever. Is that really true of goats? It's a myth. It's actually a myth. It's it's a myth that's probably cost a lot of goats their lives, unfortunately. Um, you know, because people will get goats and they'll think, oh, my goats can eat anything. And so they don't mm-hmm. really they don't really uh, find out what they really can eat and what they can't eat. And, um, mm-hmm. and then they give their goats something that's poisonous or toxic and there there's a lot of vegetation out there especially um ornamental landscaping types of plants like rhododendron and azalea and laurel and stuff that are extremely poisonous to goats so you know they will eat them and they don't have the sense Mm -hmm. not to eat them they do not Mm -hmm. eat tin cans however 
They, I have caught them eating political signs, which I think is a great <laughs> business in and of itself. And um, and tarps occasionally. They'll pick up newspaper, cardboard, and they'll just munch away on that if it's in the if it's in the target area that they're working in. But they don't. They've never been harmed by that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, why do they? Why do they do that? Like, what, what is it about a goat that's like that? Like, sees, uh, you know, a political sign and says, "Lunch." Lunch. Um. They just have a very eclectic taste. You know, uh-huh. they want to try everything. They're so people don't know how smart goats are. They are they are every bit as smart as dogs and they're mm. extremely inquisitive. So they, you know, variety is the spice of life to a goat. So if they see, I mean, they'll eat, try and eat my clothes. You know, why do they do that? It's, you know, they don't want to see me naked. They just <laughs> want to eat my clothes. So political <laughs> science is just another aspect of that. They do eat things like poison ivy, uh, right? I, I mean, things yeah. that, that we, yeah. we literally couldn't touch or consume. Uh, and that's yeah. part of the advantage, it sounds like, is that is that they'll eat some of these plants that may be difficult to handle under ordinary circumstances. Absolutely. They they can eat poison oak and poison ivy. Um, mm-hmm. And because they're not primates, they're not affected by it. It doesn't it doesn't cause a bad reaction in them. Um, it only those things affect primates and, you know, kind of tells you where we come from because it affects humans. Um, so, uh, yeah, they they handle them very well the problem with those things is they can when they're working in them it, they're if they're rubbing around on the brush they can get the oils of those plants mm. on their on their um fur and then the person who's handling them can get the that oil on them and then they can have a big outburst and outbreak one of my franchisees had that happen last year in poison oak uh-huh. she got she touched a goat that had been in it and ended up getting you know a rash like you would well i'm i'm from the pacific northwest and we did we did have uh, a lot of poison oak so i sympathize with your franchisee uh, and envy the goats yes their ability to uh to move blithely through the fields of poison ivy and poison oak yeah absolutely i mean we'll talk more about the the specifics of their jobs uh of the, the the actual work what they do on the site in a minute i hope but you know because we're talking about all of the things that they will eat have there ever been problems like like do they ever eat say someone's garden topiary that was carefully sculpted you know things that they shouldn't eat uh does that become an issue uh yes (laughs) in short yes they have um one of the one of the problems with goats is that because they're so smart and they're so inquisitive and the i'm sure the term uh the grass is greener on the other side of the fence was probably coined after goats um they they are escape artists. So even with mm. the most, you know, and I take huge precautions, but every once in a while something happens and my electrified netting will get, you know, a branch or something will fall on it and they'll get out. In which case they can end up in somebody's backyard and it's happened. And, um, I've got many stories to tell about escapes of the goats. It's, uh, not common that that happens. And it's a reason why it's really, really important for, um, a person to be such as myself, a goat wrangler, to be living on site with them twenty four seven, so that you're there mm-hmm. to deal with any issues that might come up. Um, in some of the situations, I've had goats get into things that are toxic. It happens. Um, I screen the seat, the site before they are on there for for poisonous vegetation, but that doesn't help me if they get out and there's some next door, right? So um, uh, I have had some get sick, and I 
basically have the equivalent of a little ICU that I carry with me. And Mm -hmm. I give them, you know, I have a whole protocol for goat poisoning to get them through it. So um, we take care of them on site if that happens or get them to the vet if they if they really need to go to the vet too. So let me ask a question. How much does it cost to rent a, 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 one of these goat landscapers? Um, well, I can only speak for myself. Um, and mm-hmm. I I'm generally use between 60 or 120 on a job, depending on the size of the job. That's a lot of goats. That's a lot of goats. Uh, right now, my rates are at $780 per 24-hour day. And then I have a small one-time mobilization fee on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what we're making here in the Seattle area anyways. Price points may be different in different parts of the country, you know, yeah, especially when sure. it's a new a new area for using goats, which is why we're franchising is to get the goats out there into all these these new places in America that haven't, you know, gotten the benefit of of using goats like we have here in Seattle. Totally. Totally. So so can, can any goat do this work or do some have better goaty personalities for landscaping than others? <laughs> um, pretty much most any goat can do the work. Um, mm. The only thing that would be a problem is if that goat is really good at getting out. And mm. in which case they teach the other ones to get out. So if I've, I've had a couple that learned to jump the fencing um, oh. and I had to retire them because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have them teaching the other goats how to get out. Um, Does that mean they they go to another farm or something like this when they're retired, or or, or is it a grimmer end? No, no, we don't do grim ends. Um, one of the <laughs> okay, things good, about rent a room and it's is that we we uh, rescue almost all of our animals. Um, my philosophy is that I'd rather give unwanted animals a really great life than bring a bunch of new baby goats into the world when there's so many baby goats that need homes. Um, mm-hmm. Most often, baby male goats get sent to auction and end up in the slaughterhouse, um, which is really sad. Uh, so I get, a, you know, we get a lot of those in, in our in our herd. And then we we have a no slaughter clause. The goats can never be sent to market. Um, they get retired to what we call our old goats home um, here on Vashon Island. So uh, when they can't work anymore, they are, you know, they get to live out their days in luxury and being kind of pampered until they pass. Well, that's, so that's, so, you know, we're really adamant about that. That's a good fate for the older yeah. goats. Uh, young goats, uh, I know, I mean, the, the only goats that I've, I've interacted with, seriously, were, were in fact very young goats. Kids, I guess, is the, the, the right term mm-hmm. there. Uh, um, yep. And they the can goats. be, yep. uh, you know, you've alluded to the playfulness, the curiosity, the, the experimentation, the intelligence of adult goats. But, but young goats can be really playful and really goofy. Um, how old <laughs> do they have to be? before they're ready to, to get to work, uh, usually? I generally like to wait until they're about a year old to take mm. them out on their first jobs. And uh, other people that do this business might have them out right away with and out with their mothers. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I find that they're pretty vulnerable in those first, you know, in the first year. So I like to keep mine at home until they're about a year old, and then they go mm-hmm. out, and then they're just game on from that point. Yeah, they they love working. These are happy, happy goats. <laughs> do they interact much with with humans? I mean, do do adult goats get along with with human beings? Oh, they they're like like I said, they're very much like dogs that 
chew their cud. Um, they're <laughs> and you know some dogs are shy. Some dogs are super gregarious and outgoing. Some dogs are kind of mean. Uh, same th- same thing with goats. And but they're not out to. You know, they don't try and bite humans. They don't try and knock people down. They're, they're, um, you know, and mostly people aren't in with them except for me. Um, but they're, they're super sweet. And, uh, some of them are just more, a little more feral than others. So, so those ones don't generally like to be handled very much. Um, and I have herding dogs that help me to get the, you know, to move them around and get them in and out of the trailer and herd them up if they get out and stuff like that. So, um, they they move they work well for the dogs. So I actually yeah. have more than one type of of working animal. Of so we have uh, we've got herding dogs and we also have livestock guardian dogs that that protect the goats. Are those herding and and protection animals? Are they friendly with the goats, or is it more of just a sort of side by side existence that they they have? The herding dogs are not supposed to be friendly with them. Their job is to be respected so the goats won't, you know, challenge them and that they, you know, they're trained to move away, you know, move away from the the dogs. Um, Goats are not like sheep. They're hard to herd because they're very, um, they just have very strong wills. Um, Mm -hmm. And like if goats get out, they tend to scatter like if you drop marbles on concrete, they just scatter. Whereas sheep, if they get out, tend to stick together like lemmings and glue. The livestock guardian dogs, do they have closer relationships with the with the sheep yes. uh, the, the goats excuse me <laughs> yeah livestock guardian dogs have been bred for centuries to to take care of their herds and they're really cool um most of those dogs are out of places like the mountains of turkey or afghanistan or the pyrenees mm-hmm. stuff like that and um they are actually raised with the goats from the time they're puppies like just weaned puppies and actually before they're weaned they're in with their mothers with the goats or the sheep or whatever animal they're protecting and they become a part of the herd and um, part of the pecking order and everything else so they kind of you know well goats will just pummel them they'll have best friends that are goats that they snuggle with Um, it's just they become a part of the herd and because of that they're extremely protective of the goats so they're amazing amazing animals for predator control um if something gets in there that's not supposed to be in there that's that's going to in any way um you know try and harm the animals they they're all over it and they're they turn into thugs when that happens and will go after coyotes or dogs or you know whatever gets in there if it's a mountain lion, they'll go after that. If it's a grizzly bear, they'll go after that. I mean, they are amazing. What sort of breeds are best for uh, for for herding uh, goats and and for protecting them? Um, I'm pretty much uh, I've got border collies uh, is what I've mostly had, and I've also got an Australian kelpie. Um, I think either That's one of those herding. are really good breeds. Yeah, that those are good breeds to do it. Um, it just depends on the particular dog's nature. So some dogs are that are you know some border collies are better than others for herding goats, um, and you know with any breed you're going to find that some of them are really intimidated by goats. So you got to find the right dog. Um, and then for the livestock guardian dogs, there's many different breeds, but the two I have is a Anatolian Shepherd, and then my other one is an Akbash named Brutus, <laughs> who's just a cutie and the anatolians named cougar so well, yeah. what kind of relationships I mean, they, they have different kinds of relationships with different dogs that fill different roles 
but what sort of relationships do the do the goats have with one another? Um, are they do they do they form kind of communities? Do they have a pecking order? And what what's mm-hmm. their sort of sociality like? Yeah, they're well, they're herd animals, so they have a very definite pecking order. Um, and you know, usually it's the pecking order is such that it's the larger goats with the biggest horns that tend to be the bullies. Um, hmm. So you know, and it just kind of it goes downhill from there. The smaller the goat, the more picked on they can be. Um, but it's uh, they they have friendships. They they have a very close social structure with each other, so they become very bonded to to one another. And so you'll find and it'll you'll find that family units will stick together like mamas and babies will, mm-hmm. you know, by the time the babies are grown up and, you know, even when they're elderly, if their mother's still alive, they will sleep with her, you know, not sleep with her. They will. <laughs> that's not really I understand. They will. <laughs> they will cuddle with their mother when they're sure. at their sleeping moments of night. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, other than that, sorry, I just snorted. Um, <laughs> other than, than that, the other, you know, siblings will do that. They'll cuddle up at night. They play together. They're, you know, they're just like the babies. The adults are just as playful and they're bouncing around and climbing on things and being goofballs. And yeah, they're, we just, we just crack up all the time watching them. <laughs> They're so fun to watch. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So can you lead us through a day in one of these, a working day in a landscaping uh, goat's life? When do they start to get active in the morning typically? Um, generally, as soon as the sun comes up, they're out eating. Um, their day kind of goes, uh, like depends on the weather. So if it's really rainy, they tend to not want to be out in the rain. So they may try and, you know, stay in bed a little bit longer. Um, Mm -hmm. otherwise when the sun comes up, they go out, they often will work in shifts. So half the herd will be out browsing while the other half is taking a coffee break and a nap. Um, and then it's almost like a dinner bell rings. And then the one group that's sleeping will get up and go out to work and the other group will come in. You know, it hmm. kind of reminds me of the Flintstones when the, when the horn goes off. Um, so yeah, they do that. And then throughout the day they play, they eat, they poop, they chew their cud and they sleep and then repeat. They just kind of keep doing it. And, and then into the night, oftentimes, if it's really nice weather out and say it's kind of, uh, you know, there's a full moon or a lot of light from the moon, or if I'm in an urban area where there's a lot of street lights, they'll be working at three o'clock in the morning. They'll be out there munching. So it just really depends on where we're at and uh, what the situation is. So on days, it sounds like, I mean, I'm thinking like if they if they wake up at your place uh, on Vashon Island um, outside of Seattle... Um, do you have to like keep them from from eating a, a big breakfast of 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 land, I guess, of of all this vegetation before they head out on a job, or or 
or is it okay if they've they've already eaten? I mean, do they need to do they need to be hungry before they go out to 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 you know eat all of this? So you're uh, asking life? me if I you're asking me if I starve my goats before I take them out? <laughs> not on not a job. intentionally. No, I mean that's not what <laughs> which is which is one of the frequently asked questions actually by the public. Sure. Uh, no, no. The question is the answer is no, and um, they uh, they just love to eat. So there is no needing to do that. If they could be, I could have fed them a you know a ten course meal, and I take them to a job, and they will hit it, and it looks like you know a bunch of locusts out there munching on the brush. So you know they just love to eat, and they eat a lot. They, I mean, the amount of biomass they have to consume to maintain their health is really high. So um, they have to eat a lot. We lay them off in the winter. Uh, they get to just stay home at club goat and have be pampered all winter. <laughs> they just eat tons and tons and tons of hay. So um, I go through about 40 tons of hay in about five to six months in the winter for 150 animals. I, I confess I've not spent enough tar- time on, uh, on farms in my life to have a sense of how much hay that is, but that sounds like a, a lot of hay. It sounds like a ton, doesn't it? <laughs> it well, it sounds like about <laughs> yeah, 40 or 50 is. tons. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it is 40 or 50. Yes. <laughs> uh, they're on vacation over the winter because there isn't stuff for them to eat, I guess. But um, during the seasons in which they are active, are they typically heading out to work every day or do some goats get time off uh, now and then? Uh, the only ones who get time off are ones that maybe you're having some health issues. And then I'll take them back to the farm and we'll, you know, do what we need to do to get them, get them healthy. And, sure. uh, but the other ones, sometimes, like I said, I use half my herd, um, and then I leave the other half back at the, in, at the, on the home base and they just eat grass, uh, on a mm-hmm. pasture that we have if they do that. Um, but if I'm taking the whole herd out, then they just, we could, we go from job to job to job to job throughout the Seattle area. Um, and I generally can work pretty much 30 days a month nonstop, um, mm-hmm. through from the beginning of April through the end of October. Um, yeah, it's just nonstop. So you got 60 to 120 goats going out. Fashion Island is in fact an island and you get to and from it by ferry mm-hmm. normally, right? Uh, right. how do the goats, how does, I mean, how do you get 60 to 120 goats to and from work sites throughout the Seattle area, uh, on a daily basis? What, what's the transportation system? <laughs> well, what I don't are, are they do on the goat bus? is I don't. <laughs> No, I don't take them down to the ferry dock and unload them and herd them onto the ferry with the dogs and stand there while the ferry goes across. <laughs> I'm sure the other ferry passengers don't do that. are very grateful for yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, but what we do is I have about a 24-foot-long livestock trailer, and then I mm-hmm. use the dogs, herd them into the trailer, pull it with my big truck, and um, take them over. I have to do – if I'm taking the whole herd, I need to make two trips. So we we load the – truck in the trailer on the ferry, go across, unload. Um, and then if I'm taking them all, I have to do repeat that. So when you get all of the goats to the job site, um, do they have a corral or something like that there? Do you have to set up somewhere for them to hang out uh, when they arrive um, while they're working? Yeah, I generally try and set up the, the job site before I get the goats there, um, mm-hmm. whenever possible. So it, there's quite a bit of work involved in that in a lot of instances because I have to cut a path uh, probably about four feet wide all the way through and around the area that they're going to be munching. Um, 
And then I have to put up the electrified netting, which is what keeps them in. So um, I don't like to do that when I've got goats sitting in the trailer. So I try, mm-hmm. try and do that ahead of time. And then I bring the goats and I just put them right in and they immediately start munching away. Mm-hmm. How long are they usually on site once they they arrive uh, at a location? You, you mentioned, you alluded earlier to them sometimes still working at their jobs at three in the morning. Um, does that mean that that this is an all-day or even multi-day uh, enterprise sometimes? It always is. Um, I have a three-day three, three day minimum, a 24-hour wow. day minimum. So um, my jobs can range anywhere from three days to uh, a month, um, even longer than that, just depending on how big of an area that I'm doing. So, um, yeah, it's it. I do, like, I've got several that I start my season with they're like 16 days 22 days you know wow. just that's kind of how it's how it's been lately and do you have to supervise them heavily while they're working there or do they mostly look after themselves <laughs> well they they do their own thing i i get them there mm-hmm. and i let them go and they start eating so there's not I, i'm not like out there going hey come over here and eat this <laughs> they're just moving around as they do um, the main thing that I do is I'm supervising them to make sure that everybody's healthy, um, that nobody's getting out, that people aren't bothering them or trying to feed them things over the fence um, and that kind of a thing. But I also assist the herd where needed by cutting down brush like the Himalayan blackberries that we have here in this area. Um, Mm -hmm. I cut it down so that they can reach it because sometimes those can be 12 feet high. So I'll be out there kind of cutting stuff down as they're eating. You know, they're they're right there next to me as I'm doing it. And then we just kind of we do it as a partnership. And are the the uh, dogs with them while this is going on, too, or are they just back at home? The herding dogs live with me. They're not out with the goats unless I'm Mm -hmm. using them for that. If I have the guardian dogs with me, they'll, yeah, they'd be out there with them. I don't need to take them on every single job. Mostly I take the guardian dogs where there's going to be an issue with predators. Um, but I also like for some jobs in downtown Seattle that are, um, in rough areas where we, you know, don't want people trying to mess with them. I will bring guardian my guardian dog there Hmm. just to keep people out. Um, so yeah. And, you know, are there particular sites that are easier for them to work with or, or that they, they seem to kind of uh, adapt to better? Um, are, are there ever kind of job situations that are, that are more difficult for the goats to work with or work in? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The degree of difficulty can come with a super steep slope. Um, they, they tend to move a little slower. And if the brush is really tall on a super steep slope, they can't always reach it. So I sometimes have to be up there with them kind of cutting stuff down at the base and letting it drop and then they can get on top of it. Um, other sites are if there's a lot of debris down, such as logs, rocks, uh, stumps, stuff like that, they have to do a lot more climbing around. Um, which slows them down a bit and just makes getting to the vegetation a little bit harder. So, um, but they love it. That that's the kind of stuff they ac- absolutely love doing is climbing on things. So, um, hmm. you know, it may slow them down, but it doesn't stop them from doing what they want to do. They can't do a vertical cliff. You know, yeah. they, there's there right. you know, there's there's steep, and then there's too steep to do. Um, but they can do pretty darn steep. It's just me not being able to do the steep. Because I got to get out yeah. there and put the fence up around it. So <laughs> that usually makes sense. I'm more the limitation than they are. Yeah. Uh huh. So, but it does sound like maybe a hard job is a good job for a goat in that in that particular way. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm always reluctant to over-anthropomorphize an animal of any kind, even an intelligent one like a goat. So I, I ask this with caution, but do you think that the goats – I mean it sounds like you do think that the goats like to clean up these properties. They like to ravage the land with their with their uh, <laughs> their hungry mouths. That's actually – that. That's a really great question. Um, I know they love it. I can tell in their behavior. I can tell by how, you know, voraciously they go after the vegetation. I can tell by how much they're playing or not. Some jobs, mm -hmm. like you say, some are harder than others. If it's an area that's, you know, they can't, it's hard for them to move around. They're a little less, you know, excited about it. But um, mostly they just... They just go about their day just like they would when they were if they're at home. And the reason I started the business, the my inspiration, was when years ago I went out to I had two goats and I went out after work to go see them in the field and I looked at them and I went and I said this this is exactly how it happened I said out loud, you guys look bored you need a job, and then <laughs> like one of those light bulb moments I I it came out of my mouth I said. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to call it Rent a Ruminant, and I'm going to hire your little butts out so that you're not bored <laughs> and so that I have a new career. And I laughed, and they laughed with me. And then um, I'd tell people, and they'd laugh, but then they'd go, wow, that's actually a really good idea. So that's uh -huh. how Rent a Ruminant was born. Yeah. And, and it was because they were so bored. I think life is much more exciting for them being out and about than it is sitting on a farm looking at the same tree every day, you know, on the same yeah. hillside and all of that. Yeah, you can just tell they love it, and and it's funny because the public will come by and they'll be like, "Oh my God, these animals absolutely love what they're doing." So it's not just me anthropomorphizing; it's actually, I believe, fact that they love it. And it sounds like they're potentially making the world a little better uh, in the process. Oh, absolutely! I mean, it, it's a it's a business that's it's good for the planet, obviously. It's good for the goats, and it's good for people. Um, people absolutely, it, it enhances people's lives to have the goats in their neighborhood or in the middle of the city so they can look out their window at, of their office building and see them down below. Um, one of the most common things people say to me is, oh my God, this made my day or this made my week being able to watch them. It makes me so happy. Um, so I, that was a benefit I didn't really anticipate when I started. Uh, so I've been really pleasantly um, surprised by the human, the impact it has on humans. And it makes people get out and start talking to one another. It, uh, they get off of their devices unless they're like recording it or taking pictures, but they get off their devices and they talk to each other. And these are people that would never, never talk to each other in other situations. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a positive one. It's not talking together about, you know, oh my God, the school shooting. You know, it's right. something yeah. positive. Yeah. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. So, you know, you started with just a few goats. Uh, now you have over 100, 150, is that right, About around there? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, do you have any, thinking back over the years that you've been doing this, are there any particularly striking stories of working goats that have stuck with you, uh, like specific moments uh, or specific animals that that dove into their work with special gusto? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've got, I've got so many stories in me that eventually, hopefully it'll turn into a book, which I'm going to call Legends of an Urban Goat Wrangler. <laughs> I'd read that, but hit us with a story now. Give us a teaser. All right. Well, it's, it's kind of a long one, but I had this one goat named Dewey and I got Dewey as a young, young goat. And he was, um, he was on a, a job with me uh, and it was an when I was first started the business and he actually got, um, he got into a situation in the middle of the night one night, which is another reason why it's great to have, you know, you need to have a Wrangler there. And I was sleeping in my truck at the time. I didn't have a trailer then. And he got, um, basically it was pouring down rain. I couldn't hear above the pouring down rain, but I always left a window cracked because the goats will make noise if there's a problem. And at one point I woke up and I heard a a goat that sounded like it was in distress. So I got up, got my, I had this giant, like 10,000, you know, candle lantern that I was carrying with me that weighed a ton. And I had to go into the woods and it was a place where there was logs and trees down everywhere. And so I'm climbing over the stuff. It's pouring down rain. It's pitch black. And I find Dewey had gotten, he'd been up eating in the middle of the night. And one of the ways they'd eat is they, they, they step up onto the trees with their front feet. So they can eat about mm-hmm. six foot up in a tree. But one of the mm-hmm. ways that they can get into trouble is if their feet slide down into the crotch of a tree, it acts kind of like a, you know, it goes into a V, they can get stuck. And when they get stuck, they fight to get out and can, they can break a leg that way. Well, he didn't break any legs, but he had both of his front legs stuck and he'd been there a long time. Mm. So when I found him, he, he was, he was hypothermic. He, you know, um, he couldn't use his legs. They were completely limp. And I thought for sure his, he'd had like nerve or vascular damage. So Mm. I carried, he's about 70 pounds. I started carrying him through the woods and of course my lantern stopped working. So then it was pitch black and I'm crawling over all the logs and carrying him along and I'd have to sit down because he was so heavy. And, and eventually I just, it was almost dawn and, um, he, I just snuggled him in cause he was so cold and I just laid with him until it, it was light enough for me to get him back to the trailer, got him back to the trailer, started doctoring him up. Like I said, I have my little ICU and I started some IVs on him and I gave him medications for pain and antibiotics and anti-inflammatories and stuff. And, um, and then I had to call the vet and get him in. And it, I was pretty sure that he was not going to make it because he had apparently no feeling in his front leg. So I, uh, took him to the vet on the front seat of my truck. He just laid there with me. And she came out and she checked his legs and uh, he, she did a little pinprick and he pulled back and she's like, you know what? I think he's going to be okay if you just give him some time. So keep doing exactly what you've been doing. And I think over time he'll, he'll be all right. And sure enough, every day he got better and pretty soon he was able to stand and he had little scabs on his legs that had to fall off. But, you know, took a couple months, but he was back to his fighting self. So anyways, fast forward a few years and I've got a couple of goats that get really sick. Um, and Dewey was, had gotten ill, was in with the sick goats. And one of the goats, uh, had to be put down because he got really sick. And I was, it was the first time I had to do that by myself because there was no vets available. So I used a medication and I did that and it was gut wrenching for me. And Dewey came over and I was just bawling and he, put his head on my shoulder while I'm sitting there trying to contemplate 
if how I was going to do this and how I, you know, end an animal's life. And he communicated with me, you know, he, he basically said to me, you know what, you know, and this is all depends on what you believe, but he said, you, you saved my life back then. You did everything you could to save me. And, and I, you know, I'm here because of that. And now he, it's his time to go. You know, he says he can't survive and it's time you can let him go. And he sat with me the whole time with his head on my shoulder as I, as I gave the medication and, and held this goat until it died. And it was just, I still get goosebumps about that story. What a wonderful story. Thank you so, so much. So that's the story of Dewey. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so delightful. I learned so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan. Uh, This week, we want to recommend uh, another Slate podcast, If Then. It's a podcast about technology, society, and power. Each week, Slate's April Glazer. Each week, Slate's April Glazer, who is a crazy smart reporter, and Will Aremus, who is a brilliant critic of the state of technology, take you on a lively tour of the tech news that actually matters, from fake news in your Facebook feed to the algorithms that want your job to the Uber drivers who want uh, just a job with benefits. Uh, with newsmaking interviews of key tech industry figures, fascinating academics, and top tech journalists, uh, April and Will explore not only how the technology that's shaping our world works, but also the ideas, ideologies, incentives, and biases that underlie that technology. It's a great show. Uh, you got to listen. Um, this is a sincere recommendation for, for two of my favorite colleagues uh, at Slate and the work they're doing there. Um, we'd also love to hear from you about working. Uh, our email address is working at slate.com. I love getting emails from you all. I love getting suggestions from you all about episodes we should do. Um, it's just great to know who's listening to working. And um, I do try to write back to those emails. So uh, please uh, let us know what's going on. This episode of Working was produced and edited by Benjamin Frisch. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.